0: You're listening to audio from First Christian Church. To find out more about us or to donate to our ministries, visit firstabq.org. Welcome home. Welcome to your first home. We are so glad that you are here today. And the handshakes that you've had, the hugs, the smiles, I want you to know that there's something more behind those handshakes and hugs that we really and truly care about you. We're glad that you're here. If you're listening online, we want you to come and join us, not only digitally, but join us here live and in the flesh. We're glad for this group that we have gathered together across time and space. Well, last week we began taking a look at Desert City Spirituality. Because I'm really intent on finding a uniquely Albuquerque, a uniquely urban way of going about our spiritual life in the world so we started doing that because i am a firm believer that invisible forces affect us i've seen it even this week that invisible forces powerfully affect my own life when i changed my cell phone number from texas to new mexico that's right i'm on the phone with the representative and he says okay we've got it switched over here's your new number, you're going to need to, and then he was gone. (laughs) I'm a firm believer that invisible forces powerfully affect our lives. Now, I want us to think about how we're organizing our lives, how we're making sense of it. What are the ways that we order our lives? Is it around work? Is it around the need that we have for money, where we have to pick up the right number of shifts and jobs? Are we organizing our life relationally about the kind of people that we want to be around and who we want to maybe date or marry or have friendship and acquaintances with? How is it that we are organizing our lives? I want us to think about this spiritually because I want us to think about what it is that holds our life together spiritually because there are times when it all falls apart. There are times when our normal way of living life ceases to work. Like when I heard the silence on the phone, and he was gone. Our normal way of ordering reality changes, and the way we live must adjust. Where when we've been pursuing our identity based upon what's in our bank account or identity based upon scores or how we might impress or satisfy other people, when that fails us, where do we go? Our lives are in this constant state of change, this constant state of flux. I don't know how many times a week I have to change my password. (laughs) I, I am running out of passwords. I'm running out of ways to to secretly access what needs to be accessed. We are dealing with uh, uh, changing operating systems, changing software, so much of our lives are always in this constant change of flux, even the way that we communicate with one another. I've joked about the phone, but we've got text messages, or do we communicate via Instagram, or Discord, whatever that is. Doesn't sound like a good way to communicate, but Nathan assures me it is. Even these means of communication change around us and there's, it's very difficult for us to make sense. And this is not a new thing. In 1875, I heard about this guy, Emmanuel Braun. Mind you, I'm in my car listening to a radio station streaming from my phone that's Bluetoothing into the car speakers, right? Are you with me with this? And I hear this story about Emmanuel Braun, who in 1875 started a company to make brushes in New York City seeing that there was always a need for all kinds of brushes and they became specialized in their ability to create milk jug cleaning brushes now this goes back not too far back but it goes back a ways when your milk was delivered in jars and you had these dirty jars that you had to clean out and they became the best at making the brushes that would clean out the jars so that you could return them and they'd be filled again with fresh milk. You didn't want nasty, crusty, old milk in there. But his reach in his company was Brooklyn and Queens. As more and more children took over the family business, it developed and it grew to where they were able to do things on a larger scale but like every company, they face competition. They face a changing market. Where in one season of your life, you're needing to clean out a milk jug almost every day to in today's world where maybe that's a season of life that you're cleaning out some milk bottles. So what do you do when the industrial line comes? When mass production takes over? When China begins to infiltrate the bottom line and mass produce these brushes, it calls for a change. It calls for a reimagining how you do business and how you make money. The innovations in our lives are not just helpful, but they also change us. They shape us. The smartphones that we carry that give us Contact 24-7 with anyone in the world changes our understanding of how we can relate to one another at work or in our families or in any uh, shopping adventure, right? To be able to connect across the globe. The entertainment that we consume alters our sense of right and wrong, alters our sense of what's funny and what's not funny. and Even even just, that doesn't even look at basic life changes like having a baby or moving to a new place, having a new job, or dealing with a great loss of life. So where do we go? I mean, if we want to find this organizing center, where in the world do we go? Well, you're probably going to think that the place that I've chosen is strange. An ancient song, that's where we're at, is this ancient song in a letter that's only four pages long that I know many of you started reading last week and even beginning to pray the prayer that's found in the early verses of this letter. But what we want to look at today, our resource, is a song. So if you would, turn in your Bibles to Colossians chapter 1, and I'm going to start in verse 15. He is The image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation, for in him all things in heaven and on earth were created, things visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or powers, all things have been created through him and for him. He himself is before all things, and in him all things hold together. He is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning of the firstborn from the dead, so that he might come to have first place in everything. For in him all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell. And through him God was pleased to reconcile to himself All things, whether on earth or in heaven, by making peace through the blood of the cross. And you, and you who were once estranged and hostile in mind, doing evil deeds, he has now reconciled in his fleshly body, through his death, so as to present you holy and blameless and irreproachable before him provided that you continue securely established and steadfast in the faith, without shifting from the hope promised by the gospel that you heard, which has been proclaimed to every creature under heaven. I, Paul, became a servant of this gospel. Now in this song, it is a song that is before the author of this letter. It's an early Christian song that predates Paul. And it's very concentrated on Jesus. And do you notice how cosmic in scope it is? Even though it's concentrated on Jesus, it doesn't just stick to the 33 years of Jesus' life or the three years of Jesus' ministry. It goes very expansive. That Jesus was before all things and was involved in the creation of all things. And in Jesus, all things hold together. This is a cosmic portrayal of Jesus Christ, creating and being connected to eternity and being divine. These claims are striking and stunning. I think what strikes me is not just that Paul is making use of another song, but that he's making use of a song about someone who died on a cross 30 years previously. Now, think about that for a moment. 30 years, three decades. These are the things that are being said about Jesus. I I tried to think about who would be a leader that we might know, that we could relate to in this kind of time frame. So, regardless of what you think about this individual, it's going to be someone that you know. In 1989, Ronald Reagan completed his second term as president. That's about 30 years ago, okay? So, let's just imagine that today, we say that Ronald Reagan is the image of the invisible God. That he not only was involved with God but he was before the creation of the world and that he is the leader of the worldwide community of Christians okay does that help you kind of put this in perspective the kinds of things the kinds of claims that are being made about Jesus now it's not a great comparison but my main focus is on that time frame right This is said about Jesus, and it was true then, and it is true now, that he was in the beginning with God. When I look at this song and try to think about how it might be a resource for us, I got to thinking this week, when does a song become a hymn? Does it have to grow up a little bit to get into the hymn? Pray, right? What does it do to earn that term of hymn? In the New Testament, whenever you use things like psalms or songs or hymns, there's something specific going on there. I mean, we in English today might use a song to reference any song, right? But what is it that makes that song different from a hymn? Uh, in the traditional service, I notice a lot of times we talk about we're singing hymns. And in the contemporary service, we talk about, well, we're singing songs. Well, let me tell you what the difference is. It is a song that points to God. It points to the divine. Now, my grandma likes to joke about some of the songs in the 90s or the early 2000s, that these contemporary songs, they just repeat the same phrase over and over again, right? Just over and over and over again, and that's all it is is just that one rephrase repeated over, and she likes to just laugh about that because she thinks in terms of hymns. Well, a song or a hymn can point to God, can point to the divine. And here in this song, in this ancient song, we get some words that are repeated over and over again. And it's worth paying attention to. You'll remember that last week, when I gave you what I don't like to do, a two-word summary of a book, I just don't, that this doesn't work usually. But with this letter, it does. Do you remember what it was? In Christ, that's right. Well, here is where we see some of Paul's backbone of his theology in this hymn. And the words, the phrase that gets repeated is, in him. So take a look at this in chapter 1, verse 16. For in him all things in heaven and on earth were created. Uh, Look down in verse 17. He himself is before all things, and in him all things hold together. Look in verse 19 for in him all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell. Now you could go through and you could circle those in hymns, or you could just circle all of the hymns. Because the two parts of the song are separated by he is. If you glance at verse 15, he is the image of the invisible God. That's the first part of the song. And then you drop down to verse 18, here's the second Strophe of the song he is the head of the body the church okay now i realize that at this point you're probably thinking this is a lot to take in to talk about all of this cosmic portrayal of jesus i realize that you may even be bored taking a look like a song, looking at a song like this makes me think of the band that i heard interviewed this past week and the interviewer was like, well, tell us about the writing of this song. And they just said, it's all in the song. We're going to sing it for you. You know, when you try to take apart a song like this, you just lose all the beauty and the meaning of it. But we don't have the lyrics. We don't have the music of this song. So I realized that talking about all these cosmic things of Jesus being before all times and being involved in creation can make us ask the question, why is this important? Well, why it's important for them first is that they were dealing with a lot of different spiritualities. Jesus was one of them, but Jesus was only one of them. They were kind of interested in a little bit more exotic and celestial spiritualities, like angels, having your own personal angel. And they were kind of less inclined to think about following in a spiritual sense someone that lived just a few decades earlier. Maybe in the same way we kind of scratched our heads and thought about Ronald Reagan in those terms. Because there's familiarity. There's historical close proximity. But here, in this place, they're involved in looking at who Jesus is and they're comparing it with these with angel worship. They're comparing it with, something that can be very comforting maybe not for you and your spirituality but rules don't do this don't do that specifically jewish traditions and rules all of these things were devaluing and diminishing the person and the divinity of jesus christ so this is important because it probably connects with us today in colorado and in new mexico and in in the west A lot of people like to talk about spirituality. We all kind of have our own spirituality, and it's pulled from here, there, and everywhere. A little bit of my own personal angel here, maybe a little crystal here, a little potion, a little natural herb over here, right? And so it's like, what is it that brings all this together? What is it that organizes this? And I want to be very careful here because as people attempt to seek God, that does not need to be diminished, diminished or made fun of, right? Nor can I project myself as the one who has all of the answers, right? I am probably like you constantly growing and learning in this spiritual journey that I am on, constantly being transformed by God. But I'm really curious how to organize all of this and how to pull it together and this song helps me do it Jesus helps me to provide order to this in this song he is communicated in every way as first as priority and when I try to put things over Jesus whether it's my nutritious potion or this healthy life over here, or this spiritual reading, when I try to position that over Jesus, I am losing something significant about this one in whom the fullness of God chose to dwell. This one who reconciled the world. Did you notice that in verse 20? The end of the song starts to kind of connect with us as we see this far-off cosmic Christ Through him, God was pleased to reconcile, that means put into good relationship with, all things, whether on earth or in heaven, by making peace through the blood of Jesus Christ. Peace through the blood of Jesus. I want you to know that we're not just talking about Jesus' spilled blood. We're not simply talking about Jesus' death. Have you noticed that sometimes we Christians are focused only on that moment of Jesus' life? If you get very technical or very scientific about blood, when it's spilled or when it's outside the body, it's on its way to being destroyed and dead. In fact, it even changes color when it comes outside of the body. For blood to still be useful, it has to be refrigerated, or preserved in some way, or kept in contact with the body. And whenever we just think about the moment of Jesus' death as the only aspect of his saving, what do we miss out on? We miss out on the fact that God chose to come in flesh and blood, through what we call the incarnation, that God attaches God's self to human beings. That is an amazing saving and reconciling moment we also forget about the meaning of jesus resurrection where his life is not taken away in spilled blood in death but god raises jesus back up to life we need that balance to be able to understand the blood at work in the incarnation and in the death and also in the resurrection And that moves us to be careful about constantly talking about dripping blood or whipping or beating or focusing simply on the gore of Jesus' crown of thorns and nail, just to focus in on blood in that sense of being destroyed. It also can be very confusing for people who are not Christians about why it is that God would need to spill his blood. There's time for us to explain that at another time. So what? What do we do with all of this? How does it fit with us in our daily life? Verse 21 and following. Paul makes a turn. And you, he says, which is us. And you, you were once estranged from God. You were separated from God. You were even hostile to God translation we didn't really want anyone to be over us and over our spirituality we didn't want a lord but God through Jesus transcends and bridges that divide and comes to us and puts us into right relationship and makes us holy and blameless are you seriously saying this and irreproachable that's the last thing anyone in my family would say But this is what God intends to do with us, spiritually speaking, before him. Because what we were is not who we are in Jesus right now. That is very good news for living a good life today. Because God makes available to us this good life. With spirituality, there are so many options so many ways that we can organize our lives so where do we go when it just stops working where is it that we are to go what i want you to know is that no one nothing can compete with jesus christ we're going to talk about in a couple of weeks what that looks like kind of the how of it how is it that we live in christ i left you hanging on the brawn brush company I think I might need one of those brawn brushes right now to just kind of clear out my throat a bit. <clears> throat> so they really, wrestled, they really wrestled with what do you do when people no longer need milk brushes. <clears throat> the great grandson, Charles of Emmanuel Braun, began to revision and to reimagine the company like it originally was. He began to think about how was it that we were first focused as a company making brushes. And he said, you know what we did was that we made specialized brushes that fit unique customer needs. And so instead of worrying about mass production and competing with China, we're going to go back to that original vision of making customized brushes that meet customers' specific needs. And so now today, they make brushes for NASA to dust off rocks on Mars so they can take pictures of them. They make brushes that are used to clean nuclear reactors. They even make brushes to clean out pizza oven and put a little bit of butter and a little bit of chocolate on pastries. They went back to what was central and primary about their focused business customized brushes. Well, Adam Davidson, who wrote The Passion Economy, is the one that was on this radio show that was through my phone, streaming into the Bluetooth, into my car radio, and telling me this story about the Braun Company. So it got me thinking about, well, what about churches? What are we in the business to do? And I think a lot of times we get focused in on things that are peripheral from the main business. If I were to articulate it, I would say we're about making disciples. We are making followers of Jesus, pointing them to Jesus. That's what we're about. And sometimes even good intention and well intentioned uh, leaders have focused on that but not seen the full picture. A lot of times in Christianity, our focus is on mass production. And there were great things that happened in the 1900s can we say that way back in the 1900s i think about the billy graham crusades focus on massive drawing together of christian believers to have this amazing campaign to get people to make a moment decision for christ well one of the problems one of the issues that was faced is when you make that momentary decision what's next where do you go And so they worked to try to connect people to churches, connect them to leaders in their neighborhoods where they are at, and they had some success. Well, what I'm thinking about in the third millennium for Christianity is to think small in order to think big. How is it that we as a church are focused on helping people give attention to God as disciples? How are we helping to equip them to become a follower of Jesus? How are we as churches teaching people how to serve and live in the mission of God? That seems to be a good way to focus our attention. There's so many counter narratives in our world. Narratives that are counter to the cause of Christ. Where you're told, trust yourself. Trust the data. Trust your family. Trust your degree or your training. Trust the money that you have in your bank account. Trust your party. Trust your feeling. And I am calling us to trust the invisible power of the image of the invisible God, Jesus Christ. I'm calling us to make Jesus our goal that we want to be in Him, in Christ. It's hard to picture that. Whenever I thought this week about the image of the invisible God, I thought, how do you do that? How how do you do an image of something invisible? And a little while later it hit me. Artists do this all the time. Where they have to take invisible things, invisible realities, and make them real and make them plain. For example, how does an artist portray the wind? Or portray gravity or love? How does an artist portray something like sound in a visual way? These are are expressions of how we bring invisible realities into physical expression. And what we have in Jesus is that the physical expression of what God looks like here in fullness. And God has invited us into this life in Christ where we too can live in Jesus Christ. We can tap in these energies and powers. In some ways, our urban Albuquerque culture, our desert city spirituality uniquely equips us for this. Because we understand about Bluetooth, even though we don't know how it works. We understand about Wi-Fi when we really want the password, we want to know how to get in. We know that there are powers that we can connect with. And that's what we are doing in Jesus when we center and found our lives in Jesus Christ. Well, as I mentioned, in the next couple of weeks, we're going to talk more about the how. I'd welcome you to be with us. For now, let's turn our attention to Jesus and let ourselves begin to be prepared for worship. It could be that something that you've heard today draws you to want to pray with someone. We have a prayer team that's in the back that as you leave or during the song, you can go to them for prayer. In fact, I'm going to try to make myself available in this center uh, door. If you want to come and visit with me, I'm going to be around as well. For now, let's go to God in prayer. God, we thank you for your connection with your creation. It boggles our mind that you would join with blood and flesh and become Jesus. That you would lay that flesh down in a sacrifice that saves. And that you would raise that flesh and blood up again in a glorified state and show us what eternal life looks like. Father, in this desert city, we want to be dictated by you. And so we invite you into our lives and into our hearts that you would be the Lord. We thank you for Jesus and we ask that we'll become more and more like Him by the power of your Son. Amen.